and uh, want to talk about this area of extended family. Extended family is a topic, as Dave said, I've never heard a sermon on it, but it's a thing that's been increasingly on my mind in the last few years. And it's an area that I think is good for us to think about in this year. We've been focusing all year, haven't we, on the authentic community, living with authentic community. And it's easy just for us to think about our family or our GCs or into this community around us in the mountains or our our work community, whatever that might be. But I want to come back and ask the questions for us because this is an area that I think for a lot of us we struggle. Some of us have just a great time with our cousins. You know, cousins are lifelong friends and the best of buddies and, you know, all sorts of uh, possibilities in those relationships. But other people find it very difficult. Um, For me, I've said this before, my family as we grew up, my nuclear family, parents and uh, brothers and sister, uh, we were very critical. We were, we were constantly put everybody down. That was just the family I grew up in. It was just normal. And so you just sort of imbibe that. It was quite an offer to Marion when I said, you know, come marry me and join my family. They'll put you down. <laughs> I didn't say that, of course, because I wasn't even kind of so conscious of it. Well, I was a bit conscious of it because they'd already done it prior to us getting married. But it extended beyond our nuclear family, that negativity. And imagine my surprise when about 10 years ago at the cousins Christmas party, you know, when the aunts and cousins get together, that's a few weeks before Easter, uh, a few weeks before Christmas, sorry, uh, and, and we all get together and we've been doing it for years and we meet in the same place uh, and there's about 20 of us. And my cousin, a few years younger than me, uh, she said, you, your brothers and your dad were so cruel to me. And I'm, I'm going, I actually like you. What, what is this about? And I'm, I'm clicking back through my memories. Uh, she's a Christian. And, and saying to me, a Christian, you were so cruel. It was so hard. And uh, she explained how we used to just pick on her all the time. My memory at the time was, this is just high-spirited fun. Just how distorted my family existence was. But then I thought back, I thought, yeah, you know, we used to never say her name the proper way. We'd always uh, say it wrongly, intentionally. And there was a little phrase, we'd say her name and then we'd add, with the funny face. (laughs) That was how it was seen in the family. But to her, 30 years later, what a thing to recall. That extended family could be so bruising. Just even as I was preparing this, I was thinking... And she was the one who didn't have a dad. A dad had left. So here's this family of of men, mostly one girl and five boys in the family, most older, one younger than her, who you could expect, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if she came into that family and got men to appreciate and value her? The exact opposite. And at the time, for me, who just kind of went along with the bigger brothers and the dad, it was, it was just how it was. You just relate that way. Extended families can be incredibly bruising, and many of us disengage. As I said, some of us love our cousins and have a great time, and it's an enjoyable thing. Oh, great, Christmas with the cousins. But I want to say to you, and particularly for those of you who are a bit younger, you've got decades ahead of you to either completely ignore your cousins or to do something about the cousin's relationship and the uncles and the aunts and to to work in that extended family. 
the topic is extended family in this year of authentic community, let's ask ourselves, how do we be authentically Christian in this wider group? In this wider group. It is often an unconsidered area of our lives. I think they're just there. You know, you just, just grow up. We sort of have to, well, we don't have to, but many of us sort of feel we have to get on with our brothers and sisters. We have to kind of work that out somehow. It doesn't always work out, of course. Uh, one of the things about taking many funerals, which, of course, I've, I've done over the years, is you see just how fractured nuclear families, uh, brothers and sisters, can be. And at times of the death of the parent, especially the second parent, can be a really big deal. But thinking more broadly into that broader group of people, um, I want to think um, how these patterns that we have at younger years can play out in very negative kind of ways and have to sometimes be rescued. And that's what I want to try and encourage us toward today. How do we sort of rescue? How do we be authentically Christian to the cousin who was rude to us? Or when we realise we were rude to them? How do we manage that? How do we work that through? That's the topic. Uh, how, do we, how do we make the most as we go through our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s to live this, these relationships out in an authentic Christian way? Now, I want to think um, Christianly about this, and I want to think, you know, the, the blended family stuff makes it all so much more complicated, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to invent an acronym, because I want to think about uncles, cousins, Uncles and aunts, cousins, step family members, and blended families. And so the acronym is UACSB. Uh, this is the first time you've heard that, and probably it'll be the last. But you see what I mean? It's, it's all the complication of all those people. And even that guy who's an uncle, we call him uncle, but he's not an uncle, but he's, he's part of the family. You know, it's, it's all that group of people that, that we want to think about. And I just wanted you to do a little check on yourself now. You know, where am I up to in those relationships? Now, I'm not saying you have to be best friends with everybody you've ever met. I'm not saying, you know, the third cousin that you happen to see once at a party has to be, you know, all of a sudden your best friend. I'm just saying, is there integrity as a Christian person in those relationships? As far as possible, as in your control, are you able to live at peace with those people? For those of you who are uh, single children of single children and married a single child of a single child, you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. You know, uh, you've got to long for a cousin. Wouldn't that be nice? But uh, for, for most of us in our society, at some point, we've either got them ourselves or married into a family that's got these extra people. And so I just want us to think. Let's, let's think Christianly about this area. There is no verse in the Bible that talks about extended family. I, I raised this, uh, we were chatting about it at our GC on Wednesday night, and uh, one of the guys went, hmm, extended family, there's no verse on that. He's right, there aren't any. Because this, that's, it's actually a modern Western concept. It's a modern construct. We have nuclear family, which we think is the family, and then we have extended family. But, of course, in, in the Bible days and in most cultures, the extended family we call extended family is the family. And beyond that, then, is the clan, and beyond that is the tribe, depending on what kind of culture you might live in. And it's interesting to look even in the Old Testament, you know, the way clans are tra treated, you know, that sort of extended, extended group where um, the, the clans, they're given land and they're called to account. How have you as a clan been getting on? How, how have things been going for you? Have you been serving the Lord correctly? Have you been cooperating within the broader tribe or nation? That's a very interesting sort of thought, uh, that interconnectedness of people. Uh, we have so little of it in our culture particularly. And uh, what's interesting too, you see the obligations even within the clan 
So, for example, there's a bunch of verses that talk about if a, a clansman, a kinsman redeemer, would come and redeem a slave or would, would make right some restitution that some other you know, cousin's cousin has done wrong. And then the dynamic of uh, the book of Ruth, Ruth and her relationship with Boaz, is, is built around that uh, societal expectation. A uh, bit of love thrown there too, which is great. But uh, that, that's the idea, that, that uh, Boaz could redeem the family and, and buy the field and, and get the, the, the bride. Uh, it's a very interesting kind of thing that we, we look at and think, how foreign, how strange that is, that the sort of the cousin's cousin would be, uh, would be marrying like that. But you see just how important those relationships are. And the expectation then for us as Christians is that we would reflect on those and that we would think, how do we live Christianly? Um, Mary and I have been reading through Genesis at lunchtime. So we push a button, eat our lunch while we listen to David Suchet, you know the actor? He reads the Bible to us. It's wonderful. We listen to a chapter and then we chat about it. And it's just leisurely over lunch. I've been very careful in lockdown to give my usually an hour, whole hour for lunch, which I don't normally do. But uh, it's been very restorative, and we sit on the back deck in the sun usually, and I eat my yogurt. It's too many details. But you know what I mean. And then we listen to the Bible, we talk about it, and we pray. And, and it's been so fascinating just to see what a disaster so many of these families are. I mean, if you're ever in a culture where they say, what's wrong with polygamy? Just read your first book of your Bible, and then some more as well. It, it, disasters all over the place. Joseph is in a blended family. Uh, Four wives, two official wives, two concubines that his dad has, and kids from all of them. And he's the, the, the eldest child of the favoured wife. One of the great sadnesses for him is that when his little brother is born, Benjamin, a couple of years later, his mum dies in childbirth. So here he is in this family with all these big brothers, a couple of sisters as well. He's got ten big brothers, and he's the favoured one with the favoured wife who's now died. Now, the, the guy, Joseph, he goes through all sorts of stuff. He's, strangely, he's favoured by God too, but he's incredibly arrogant as a young man, incredibly, and that just destroys the relationships, and his big brothers pick on him, so much so that they say, let's kill him. The, the eldest of them all, Reuben, plays the eldest brother role and says, don't do that, be responsible, you know, and kind of works out, how can I sort of fix this situation, gets thrown into a ditch, and then he's thinking, oh, I'll save him later, you know, get him out, that, you know, eldest brother stuff. Uh, it doesn't happen. He gets sold as a slave. He goes to Egypt. You'll know the story. I hope you know the story. If you don't read it, it's about 10 chapters in the, uh, in the book of Genesis towards the end. It's just great. Really great family dynamics and drama and how God is leading and working. But he eventually, strange things, through the wisdom of God that he has, becomes number two in the empire. Uh, this is a kind of common thing in the ancient Near East, I won't go into too much detail, but to have the outsider as the head of your army and the outsider as in charge of your household. There's all sorts of political advantage because if you make somebody who's one of the other big families, they might take over. But if you're there as the individual, you've got no allegiance except the king, in this case the pharaoh. And so it's quite a thing that happens in the ancient Near East. And Joseph finds himself very, very much in that situation, number two in the kingdom. And through all the kind of strange backwards and forwards activity, he's, he's, uh, he comes to this point where his brothers are in front of him. They've already bowed down to him, which fulfills a, a, a dream that he's had years ago and led to part of the problem. They bow down to him and then he's just overcome that he would relate to them, these half-brothers, these traumatising half-brothers. Now, I... I Usually when I've thought about this story is I've pictured them in their 20s. No, they're not. 
their 50s, 40s, 50s and 60s is how old they are. We kind of worked it out. That's the nice thing when you have a long time over lunch. You can kind of, how old were they? Oh, okay, so they were born then. And they're in their 40s, 50s and 60s and they're working this mess out from what happened back in their teen years and 20s. It's an extraordinary tale. And there is amazing uh, grace, forgiveness. Uh, There's shock. But they, they work it out. And there's provision. And one of the things that is just beautiful in the picture, it's kind of the subtext of the whole thing, is that this brings blessing to the whole family. And it's not just those ten brothers and mum and dad and some sisters. They actually now represent several hundred people at this point. It's a whole clan has kind of grown up around uh, this blessed group of people. But bigger than them, it's to the whole world. God's blessing upon Joseph is for the whole world that people might come in this time of famine and so cleverly endowed is he to understand what's going on, he can store up food so people don't die. And so through all of this, you see that the blessing flows out and flows out. I wish my family was like that. Flow out with grace and goodness, even as we work through the difficult things. Life-changing good for the whole world. Well, we're not going to deep dive into this passage. That's all I want to say really about it. But I want to give you three very practical things and pick up three little verses that kind of come to me as I think about this. Three very practical things about how you get on in your extended families. Now, I guess if you are sitting there going, like a great extended family, love my uncles and aunts, they've been great, they've been positive in my life, every one of them, then just pray for the rest of us, would you? Because you're probably the only one in the room that's like that. Would you pray for the rest of us? Because we have, we have messes and difficulties and awkwardness and that sort of stuff all over the place. I do. First thing is initiate good in your extended family. Initiate good. Now, it may not be you're the one that's going to arrange the party. Thankfully, my uh, brother is the one. Every year he rings me up about this time. He did a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'm working at which Saturday would work in early December? Thank you, I say. That's my encouragement to him. Thank you for organising this, because I don't even think about that stuff. Uh, I actually have the, in the family the burden of writing to all my siblings. I just thought my sister would do that job like my mum did, but my mum died and my sister didn't do anything. I thought, oh, I, I seem to be the one that has to arrange, and I keep up with all the siblings. My other brother, thankfully, keeps up with the cousins, and he drags me, well, invites me. and everything. I say thank you, because I think that is a great thing, that we actually get together. We get to talk and be together. But I want to encourage you to think, is it being initiated that you would work this stuff out, that you would be together, that you would be authentically Christian, even if it's only once a year and at occasional weddings or a funeral? Are you doing that well? That's the encouragement. Hebrews 12.14 says, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. At peace with everyone. It's easy to go out broad. (laughs) But I want to just... Be not quite so broad. Think extended family. So first thing is keep catch up somehow. Catch up somehow with them. Um, I was struck by a friend. This is in a different context altogether. I was struck by a friend, an older friend, who said, I seem to have become the family patriarch. Now, it's a very strange thing to say at first, I thought. But then I thought, no, no, he's a pretty wealthy guy. And he's a very wise person. And I could see how that would happen. And he had intentionally stepped into that role for the good of others. Not to dominate them, patriarch, bow down to them. No, no, no. But actually to care for them and to do good for them. I thought, gee, that's something I've got to think about. 
if, if I find myself as the natural person within the wider family? Can I take that, that role of being the substitute dad or granddad, as it were, that would build up the lives of other people? That would be, that'd be a really appropriate thing to do, if in fact that falls to me to do it. Initiate good. I want to encourage you to, to not stay in the name that was given to you when you were a kid. We sometimes wrestle out of these in, from, in our siblings. Uh, sometimes we don't. Uh, you know, I remember uh, talking to this lady, it was years ago, years and years ago, and I was in my 20s, she was in her 80s in hospital, and I was visiting the hospital as you know, clergyman kind of thing, and uh, she said, uh, yeah, 84 I am, and I'm the black sheep of the family. And she lived that out to 84 and she was in the hospital and she said, oh, the nurses don't like me because I'm a black sheep. I thought, aren't you going to give that up sometime, being the black sheep? Like, why would you have those words as who you are? And such a big deal of growing up is to get rid of those single labels. So who knows what it is that the cousins called you, the dumb one or the youngest one, therefore you don't count, or the youngest one, so you're spoiled. Or, or maybe you're the one who's always the bossy one, you're in charge of everything. Or maybe you're the one who's just unconnected. You know, you just kind of left. I want you to get past those labels and engage as a Christian person. doesn't mean they have to become your best friends and you spend every second weekend with them. That's not the idea. But get out of those labels. And that's a healthy thing for you personally. But it also has then the dynamic of changing the relationship and how it functions. So my challenge to you is... Initiate good. Can you broker better relationships between other people as well as you and them? Can you see other relationships that you might be able to work towards? You know, I notice you guys aren't getting so well. Let's talk that through. Now, this is not easy to do. If it was easy, we'd have already done it. The point is it's not easy, and so that's why it's a challenge to you, an encouragement to you. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. The great thing is you've got the Holy Spirit. Those of you who trust in Christ have the Holy Spirit helping you in this area. So I encourage you, walk with the Spirit towards peacefulness. The second thing is uh, to, to really work at resolving the mess of your childhood, the mess of the relationships that have been there. Uh, this builds on what I've just been saying about living at peace. Uh, and the verse that Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Not just, you know, you getting back, but actually building peace amongst cousins, uncles, aunts, second cousins, whatever it is. Uh, I want to encourage you to think through the dynamic of cross and forgiveness. That's a thing that's the bedrock of our faith. We understand the cross, the punishment that's paid, and the forgiveness that comes. That's how we live our life, Christianly. And so extend it into the extended family as you think about it. So initiate apology. Seek apology. Uh, with my cousin, I apologised. She raised it the next year. I apologised again. And the next year, and I, I asked, is it okay? She said, it's okay now. It wasn't an easy process, because we only see each other once every year at a Christmas party. If abuse is part of that story, physical or sexual abuse, that may be a way more complex thing than, than what I'm describing here. There's a whole lot of other issues. I don't want to make this out as though this is just an easy thing to yeah, just apologise or just get apology or something. That's a different story. Uh, let me encourage you, the sooner the better. And that allows you to have time then to enjoy the relationship. You can then come to the Christmas lunch. You can come to the funeral. And there is a, there is a, a, a relationship built on honesty and openness and forgiveness and apology that's already there. That's a great thing. And it may be that you can encourage others and, and model to other people that sort of forgiveness, that sort of 
peacemaking life. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then the third thing is to include other people in the goodness. Joseph's life uh, brought such goodness. Uh, repentance from his brothers, uh, the, the joy of restoration for the family, the provision for the family, then the uh, extension of that beyond just the family. There is a much greater need these days with blended families. Blended families really, you know, what is your commitment to that person who's... You, can't even, you don't even know how that relationship works, some of those. You know, who exactly is that person over there in the corner? It's tempting to say, am I my father's second wife's stepson's keeper? You know, like, you can be in a room where there's that person. You, uh, uh, how does it tie together again? Well, am I their keeper? If they show up occasionally at events, I'd encourage you to kind of make an effort at least. Give it a shot. Try at least to be the friend in the room. I had a recent example with a, a, a near relative, uh, and uh, I, I got a little nervous actually when I was relating to them, uh, you know, 15 years after sort of some earlier stuff that had happened. Not, not directly to me, but I said, you know, things have been awkward in our extended family. Yep, I never felt accepted. I never. I said, how was it? This was the courageous, I'm thinking, oh no, how have I gone? Because I didn't know what he was going to say. How was I? He said, you were okay. You were good. Thanks. Oh, thank goodness. I didn't even have a clue how I was coming across. Shows you how unaware I'd been. Now, I just generally try to be friendly to people, but I thought, I could have really messed this up. He could have equally said, in my mind, I thought he could have said, Stuart, you just didn't give me enough regard. You didn't even notice me. You didn't talk to me. You didn't... I didn't even know. I'm glad he said you were good. I'm glad he said you went okay, but I felt a kind of condemnation that I didn't even know the answer to the question. I just knew I had to ask it. And so I want to encourage you to be that initiator who, who includes others in the goodness that you've experienced, the, the wonderful blessing that you have from Christ, that that would radiate out even to that distant, blended family person in the corner that you don't even know exactly where they fit. Well, why say all this when we think about authentic community? It is because there is within you a reservoir of life. You know when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well? It's all about water, that discussing water and getting water and all. And he says, when you drink the water I have, it wells up to eternal life. That is such a beautiful picture. Such an incredible picture. It's, it's a, we're here in Springwood. It's a, it's a spring of life that comes out of you to other people. I just want you to live in that more. Be that person more intentionally, as I want for my life. So I want to get these things right. I want, to, I want that spring of water to come up for the benefit and blessing of those around you. Your extended family is thirsty. Be part of the way Christ brings water to them. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the family we've been brought into in Christ, into the Holy Family. We thank you, Father, for this church Holy Family that we've been brought into. We thank you for the families that we've been raised in, some good, some bad, some just in between. And that you place us in these extended family situations. Help us, Father, to be authentically Christian in those places. Help us to overcome the stuff of the, the years earlier, of our childhood, our teens, whatever it is. 
Help us to be people who initiate good, people who uh, resolve the mess of our childhood and include others in the goodness that we've experienced from you. We pray all this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.